Welcome back, everyone, to 420Pod. 420Pod is presented by the 420 Clinic, a medical cannabis resource center in southern Alberta. The 420 Clinic acts as a liaison between patients and doctors, and also offers educational resources to anyone who wishes to learn more about the potential health benefits of proper cannabis use. You can visit us online at 420clinic.ca or follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. My name is Matthew Lundy. Before we get to today's topic, Canada is smack dab in the middle of legalization. The government of Alberta is actually looking for feedback from citizens on their proposed regulatory framework. I'd encourage you all to give your feedback and have your say on how cannabis will be regulated and distributed next summer. You can access the survey through our website at www.420clinic.ca. Now to today's topic, insomnia, also known as sleeplessness. People with this condition may have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep throughout the night. Insomnia is typically followed by daytime sleepiness, low energy, irritability, and a depressed mood. It may result in an increased risk of motor vehicle collisions as well as problems focusing and learning. According to the World Health Organization, between 10 and 30% of adults around the globe have insomnia at any given point in time and 50% of us will experience insomnia in one form or another at some point this year. People over the age of 65 are affected more often than younger people, and females are more often affected than males. In infants, the sleep cycle lasts only about 60 minutes. The length of this cycle increases as we grow older. The average length of sleep of the sleep cycle in adults is around 90 minutes. During this time, we progress through stages of light sleep, deep sleep, and REM, or rapid eye movement. For healthy individuals, a standard sleep period includes multiple cycles. For example, if you're asleep for eight hours, your brain goes through three or four cycles fluctuating between REM and non-REM stages. But if you can't get to sleep or are waking up constantly, this cycle gets disrupted which can have pronounced effects detrimental to our well-being. To learn more about insomnia and how cannabis can help, here's a clip from my interview with 420 Clinic's medical director, Dr. Ife Abiola. All right, we are back with Dr. Ife Abiola. Hello. Welcome back to the program, Ife. Oh, thank you for having me. So today we're discussing insomnia. Why is sleep so important for our health? Okay, we have something that's called the suprachiasmatic uh, nucleus in our brains. Suprachiasmatic nucleus. Yes, so the SCN. Um, And this is a a little uh, uh, part of your brain, uh, anatomically, that regulates your sleep cycles in reference to things like light, uh, time of day. Uh, Now, sleep is really important for a few things. One, we have a a spike in HGH, human growth hormone, which is necessary. So this is why children need to, like, watch their sleep. Uh, Second, it allows our brains to consolidate things like memory. Uh, and third, it allows us to have enough energy for the next day. So sleep is uh, very important in a bunch of different aspects. 
And what are the warning signs that we're not getting enough sleep? Uh, one is called daytime hypersomnia. Now, daytime hypersomnia is where, like, the next day, around, like, midday, you find yourself incredibly tired. So a lot of people have this. They say, like, yep, right around the time that lunch is done, I just get wiped at work. That is daytime hypersomnia. Now, that can be indicative of a lot of other things that are uh, related to sleep disturbance, like sleep apnea or even uh, issues involving, like, depression. Uh, but that's one of the main signs. Daytime hypersomnia is one. Also, things like irritability and even things like uh, depression in and of itself can be uh, related to not getting enough sleep. I can personally relate to that anytime I'm a little more antsy or anxious or or, fr or I'm getting frustrated quickly. A lot of times I haven't got enough sleep the night before. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of us can relate to that. What are the different stages of sleep? Because once we go to bed, that's not it, right? There's, there's a it, general no. progression that happens. Yeah, let's get ready to get complicated, people. So uh, buckle up. Um, I like to go with the mnemonic that's bats drink blood. And this will describe the different stages of sleep that we have. Okay. So the first one is beta. You have beta waves. If we were doing like a somnography test, right? Uh, looking at your brain while you're trying to sleep. So beta waves uh, happen when you are lying down, you're relaxed, but your eyes are still open. Okay. So think of it as just like you've just got ready for bed, you've laid down. You are in beta stage of sleep. The next is alpha stage of sleep. Alpha stage would be once your eyes close and then you're relaxed. The next is theta. Now with theta, this is the early stages of sleep. The next is what's called K-complexes and uh, sleep spindles. So this is where if you were to look at it in terms of a graph, you would find that it would have these big spikes and then these rapid, rapid, rapid uh, little uh, like uh, serrated type of waves to it. And how, how far are we into sleep? Like, in, does this usually happen, these spikes, like an hour? You're, you're in fairly deep sleep now. Everyone's a little bit different in terms of when this happens. Uh, but I'm going from the lightest form of sleep to the most uh, deep. deepest. Yeah. So we start off with beta, which is you lying down, uh, being awake, eyes open. Alpha, lying down, eyes closed, and you're relaxed. Theta uh, is a little bit deeper than that. Um, the next is the sleep spindles and K-complexes. And around this time, you start to get into really heavy sleep. Uh, things like dreaming can start to happen. Then we have our delta sleep. Delta sleep is the deepest form of sleep. So in delta sleep, what you would find is that the requirement of oxygen in the brain goes way up because the brain is incredibly active. However, our body's requirement of oxygen goes down. You breathe a lot less uh, frequently. Uh, you find that you're not doing a lot of moving. Um, there's also things that come into play like uh, the HGH spikes I mentioned. Um, there's a lot of even like sexual things that happen, like the way it affects like our reproductive organs uh, happens a lot uh, when we're in that deep stage of sleep. And things like REM sleep can happen. Now, to get into something like REM sleep, REM sleep tends to happen every 90 minutes. Okay. Uh, it involves things like rapid eye movement. Uh, also, like the raphi nucleus uh, is extremely uh, highly activated is what we find. Uh, dreaming comes into play. Uh, and you'd find that around a quarter of the time you spend sleeping, if you're a young adult, is in REM. Okay. is in REM sleep. However, the older you get, the less REM sleep you actually have. Interesting. Yeah. Even the older you get, like the architecture of your sleep also tends to change. I didn't want to go into too, too much detail because I, I really could have, but that, that's generally it. Well, yeah, even scratching the surface, like you can tell there's, there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. What medications are currently used to treat insomnia? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I would say the number one is Zopiclone. Now, Zopiclone is a benzodiazepine uh, that allows you to initiate sleep and then to keep it. So, you know, you'd find that if you ask so it helps some, you get to sleep, helps, helps you stay asleep. Yeah, a little bit of both. And it's a benzodiazepine, so it, it calms you down using things like GABA. Also, anything that can uh, increase norepinephrine is also uh, 
contraindicated for someone who has sleep. So let's say somebody was having issues involving ADHD or ADD, they'd probably be on something like Ritalin, like methylphenidate. These things increase norepinephrine and they actually inhibit sleep. So one of the, this is funny, one of the side effects of, of ADHD medication is actually reduce sleep. So oftentimes it will reduce the ADHD medication and increase the, the Zolpiclone or the Lunesta or whatever they're using in that case. So what are some of the side effects of some of these uh, prescription medications sure. used to treat uh, insomnia? Now, one of them is actually decreased REM sleep. If you use anything to initiate your sleep, other than like naturally stimulating that raphine nucleus I had mentioned, it decreases the amount of REM sleep that you have. So that's one of the side effects. Uh, the second one can be things like sleepwalking, nightmares. All of these things can happen, even a drowsiness, drowsiness early in the morning. So let's move on to cannabis now. How can cannabis help improve our sleep? Okay, if we look to look at that same area of the brain I had just mentioned, the other FI nucleus, it is loaded with CB1 receptors, which respond to THC. So if you add THC to the system uh, and you stimulate that part of the brain, you tend to get more sleepy. So people would find that, especially with a, an indica strain of cannabis, they tend to be uh, able to go to sleep a lot easier. Uh, they tend to be relaxed enough that they can actually get to sleep and, and maintain it. Um, that being said, the way that we ingest it plays a big part. And one of the things that I always ask to people who come to me asking about cannabis and sleep um, and saying, you know, how can this help is, are you having trouble getting to sleep, staying asleep, or both? If it's getting to sleep, you do not need that long duration. So an edible or anything ingested by mouth is not necessary uh, for that. However, if it's just uh, not only getting to sleep and staying asleep, using something like an edible would be beneficial because you can get that six to eight hours plus of right. sleep to maintain it. Right. So if if you're having trouble getting to sleep, uh, inhalation. If you're having trouble staying asleep, ingestion because mm -hmm. of the time frame. Right? Yes. Gotcha. So what effect, we've talked about dreaming already. What effect does cannabis have on our dreams? On our dreams? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Maybe you dream more about like potato chips or something like that. Uh, again, people tend to have reduced uh, REM. Yeah. Uh, and again, in young people, it's around 25% of your sleeping will be REM sleep. Uh, but it's reduced if you use any sort of... <clears throat> Uh, any sort of exogenous substance. Uh, so you'd probably find yourself dreaming a lot less while you're yes. using cannabis. Uh, one of the side effects of uh, cannabis withdrawal is actually more vivid dreams. Yes. Uh -huh. So Absolutely. One of the studies I'm looking at shows that THC does shorten REM sleep, but it does prolong stage three sleep, mm -hmm. deep sleep. Also, you mentioned the uh, less dreaming. That's actually kind of had a positive application for sufferers of PTSD. People are having nightmares. Sure. I've had a lot of anxiety in my life and I can honestly say that I know I dream less with pot, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, it depends on, on who it is. Um, you know, the, marijuana isn't any exception though. Like if you drink alcohol, if you have a beer before you go to sleep, your REM sleep will be decreased. If you use Zopiclon before you go to sleep, your REM sleep will be de decreased. Uh, if you use melatonin, uh, that one's kind of up for debate. But the point is, if you add any exogenous substance to your system, REM sleep tends to go down generally. Getting more into the types of cannabis that we're using, are mm -hmm. there any particular terpenes that are more common in sleep stranger that people should seek out when they're looking for an effective medication to fall asleep? Effective cannabis strain to fall asleep. Okay, if you're into terpenes, if you understand it, then something like linalol would probably be beneficial for you in that case. Also, very floral terpene, one of my favorites. Yeah, right? that's that's a good one. Also, myrcene. Uh, myrcene would make uh, the cannabis you're using more potent in terms of the way it would affect your brain. So I would say linalol and uh, myrcene are the ones that you should be looking out for. 
Excellent. Uh, if you're looking for a particular strain of cannabis, and of course, make it an indica strain, or else you're going to have uh, the opposite effect that you're desiring. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a interesting point because not all cannabis strains will put you to sleep. Um, oh no, so we'll do the opposite. Yeah, and there's a, another recent study that showed that recreational use of cannabis. So they gave 100 people accelerometers, and they tracked their sleeping and eating, and told them to smoke pot as they normally have. So there was no controls for strain or dosage or anything like that. And they actually found there was more sleep disturbance than less. This is interesting to me because recreationally, you can I just say that this whole study from what you've told me here is ludicrous. That's like if I said, uh, what are the effects of medication on sleep? Well, what medication are you taking? Are you taking a stimulant? Are you taking a depressant? Are you taking a you know, benzodiazepine? Are you taking an SSRI? Medication uh, is a very broad term right. for a bunch of different things. So to say, just keep using what you're using and let's look at the effects. That That's a hor horrible study. The variables there are, way, uh, are not controlled. They're way all over the place. Uh, I don't agree with the nature of that study. Of course, I haven't read it. I'm just going off of what you've said. Yeah. But that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And it's one of the most recent studies, um, which is why I'm bringing it up. It was actually on, I believe, 660 News here in Calgary that did a segment on how, you know, cannabis is bad for sleep. But mm -hmm. I'm going to make I'm, I'm going to make one called uh, eating is bad for sleep. <laughs> But I'm not going to control what the people are eating. I'm not going to have any sort of controlled variable there. Right. Do you see how that's terrible it's, science? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Again, I'm going off of what you're saying. So hopefully I don't look like a jerk because they did it correctly. But going off of what they've done there, that's that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. <laughs> I'm glad that we can agree on that. Mm -hmm. But there was another another study that, that looked at like how THC affects it, how CBD sure. affects it. Mm -hmm. we, we get a lot more into the weeds. What THC-CBD ratios should you be using if you're trying to get more sleep? You don't need CBD for sleep. Right, because it uh, has alerting properties to it. Uh, yeah, sometimes it can, but you just don't need it. Like, what's the point of having something and ingesting it if you don't need it? Right, it doesn't serve a purpose to help you. Not, not for sleep. If your issues are purely sleep-related, you do not need CBD. So you're actually looking for high THC strains. Not high. THC strains. You don't necessarily need a lot of THC to get to sleep. And here's one reason why. Acute overdose of THC, which of course is not fatal, can lead to something called dysphoria, which can actually disturb sleep. So you don't need a lot of THC to get the effect. You so just need dysphoria some. Dysphoria is the opposite of euphoria, Yes, right? dysphoria is where, you know, you've ever heard of somebody using cannabis and feeling paranoid or mm -hmm. using cannabis and then getting all wound it's up and they problem. can't sleep, even if it's an indica strain, using way too much. It's the same principle there. You do not need a lot of... Uh, of, of cannabis or a high potency to initiate or maintain sleep. So you don't need CBD. Good. Good to know. It, there's kind of this weird trend right now, now that people are starting to learn about cannabis, but people just tend to learn the, the bare minimum. Like, and I'm seeing this a lot on like YouTube or on, uh, you know, patients that come in and chat, they go, Oh no, you gotta have C you gotta have CBD. You, you've got to have it in everything. Well, no, no, you don't. Like everything has to serve a purpose and you need to know exactly what you're using it for. In the case of chronic sleep disturbance, CBD has no uh, benefits at all in and of itself. If someone was having, let's say, Crohn's disease that was keeping them from sleep, then fine. But in terms of just initiating and maintaining sleep, CBD is not going to do you any favors. And I think it, this kind of gets into a bigger per picture problem where everyone who's used pot thinks that they're an expert. Everyone who and smokes a joint thinks it's they're like, an expert. It's like saying, I've, well, I've ridden on an airplane, so I can fly that airplane. Yep. It doesn't, yep. 
Because because I because I, I flew to Toronto, I can just knock on the cockpit door and then just tell the pilot, "Hey, here's what you want to do with your aileron and your you know what what kind of nonsense is that?" It's the same thing. And I I think as more and more people um, get educated on it, it's important that we we don't take that knowledge and just um, isolate it. Right? Like there's always more to learn when it comes to cannabis. Of course, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. That's a that's a great quote. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna leave that. I think that's. Uh, well, it's a good quote to end on, but I have to ask you if there's anything else that you'd like to add um, on the whole topic of sleeping cannabis. I'll say this. Ideally, we should all aim to be substance-free for our sleep. Do not use cannabis as a crutch for sleep. Use it when it's necessary. We shouldn't just be putting just random chemicals in our body because they benefit us. Because there's a lot of medications out there that could benefit us, but there's always drawbacks to it. So the goal should be uh, maintaining and initiating sleep without any substance at all. But if you do need cannabis, because you are having diagnosed chronic sleep disturbance, um, even things like related to like sleep apnea, related to night terrors, related to uh, nightmares, sleepwalking, these things, uh, restless leg syndrome, then cannabis can help. So don't just go, I need one extra hour of sleep a night because I'm only getting 7.5, not 8. So I need to, you know, hit the bong before I go to bed. That's not necessary. You have to consider it medication with sleep because sleep is a very sensitive thing. Again, I didn't go into much detail, but there's so much to sleep architecture that we know and that we don't know. So the goal is to mess with your sleeping the least amount. So don't go overboard with it. Make sure you're diagnosed with an actual condition and then just be very careful. Thank you very much, Ife, for your insightful comments on that. No problem. That wraps it up for our little interview here. Thank you for joining us once again, Ife. Thank you for having me. And we hope to have you back on again soon. Thanks again to Dr. Ife Abiola for that very informative interview about cannabis and sleep. I've just got a couple points to touch on before we wrap up today. We talked about strain selection, how indica strains make you sleepy while sativa strains keep you awake. But the age of your cannabis also comes into play. Because of the way it breaks down, aged cannabis actually makes you sleepier. When THC degrades over time, it converts to a sedating chemical known as cannabinol, or CBN. CBN is five times more sedating than THC. The good news is that CBN is slow to form, so just be extra careful if you haven't topped up your stash in the last few months. The last thing I want to address is sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is a sleep condition characterized by frequent obstructions of breath. This causes the individual to wake up many times over the course of the night, which inevitably leads to worsening insomnia. Preclinical studies show that cannabis may improve this condition, observing THC's ability to restore respiratory stability by modulating serotonin signaling. We'll need more clinical studies to be certain of cannabis's efficacy for sleep apnea, but researchers appear to be on the right track. That wraps it up for another episode of 420 Pod. Make sure to check out our website at 420clinic.ca for a link to the Alberta Cannabis Framework Survey. Again, I'd encourage everyone to fill that out and have your say on how cannabis is regulated in Alberta. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to subscribe and review us on iTunes and SoundCloud. For inquiries about the show, 
you can contact amber at 420clinic.ca. For everyone here at the 420 Clinic, this is Matthew Lundy, signing off.